Good morning. Good morning. Good to be back with you again today. Uh, let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we know that each one of us comes to you individually and that you work in our hearts and in our, in our souls as you see fit, as you know that each one of us needs. But you also come to call for us to come together, to come together as a family, the family of God. So Lord, as we are here today, we can learn more, we can share more, we can see how, what a wonderful God you are and how you work in each one of our lives differently. Lord, and we thank you for that, and we thank you for all that you do. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In our hope for today, I just got word that my little Sam has a buddy in heaven <laughs> to play with. Uh, in that loss and everything that we're going through during this pandemic and everything that's going on in the world, <laughs> Somebody has a formula for perfect peace. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. God has a plan for peace, and it is found in his son, whom the Bible calls the Prince of Peace. But we have rejected God's plan. Wars still ravage in our world and in our lives. Why? Jesus said the problem is within us, out of the heart proceeds the evil thoughts, idolatries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lawlessness, lewdness, and an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. What a list. Our real war is a rebellion against God, and it brings an unending misery. But... God longs to see this rebellion cease. That is why Christ came. By his death, he provided the way for us to be reconciled to God. And when we have peace with God, we have peace in our hearts and peace with each other. This happens as we repent and receive Christ. The war is over, for God extends the peace treaty to all who come to Christ. And the hope for today... God promises perfect peace for those whose minds are fixed on him. Who doesn't desire this perfect peace? If we are focused on God and his word, no financial woe, health crisis, or family drama can cause us to stumble.
Testament scripture today comes from Psalms 25, verses 1 through 10. O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No, no one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but this disgrace comes from those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from the long ages past, do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of the unfailing love, for you are the merciful. O Lord, the Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. <clears throat> Say the Lord's Prayer with us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Things of earth will grow strange 
Testament reading today comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It, it's effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. We'll take your bulletin. We have a responsive reading. In this season of repentance and healing, we accept God's invitation to be well-mindful of the needs of others, offering our prayers on behalf of God's community in the church and the world. Fill us with your strength to resist the seductions of our foolish desires and the tempter's vain delights 
that we may walk in obedience and righteousness, rejoicing in you. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, the gifts that we give today, we know all belong to you anyway, so we're just returning the peace of what you own. Lord, may we always remember the greatest gift, and may we know that we can never give back but we, anything of equality. But Lord, we can give from our hearts. We can give to help others come to know you, Lord. And Lord, that is a gift that we treasure the opportunity to do. So we ask that the gifts we give today be blessed and to help further your kingdom. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word that brings life, was designed to bring life. Thank you for your word that uh, sets us free. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who, who uh, brings your word in, those, in the words that we speak and the words that we hear and, and applies them to our own life and brings conviction and brings encouragement and brings, um, brings blessing to us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit will guide us. Guide, I, I commit this sermon into your hands, Lord, that you may guide each and every word that I will say today. And that each person in here may hear something, um, an application in their own life. May your Holy Spirit, Lord, take what we do to this morning and, and bring it to life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our text this morning is Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And we've already covered 3 and 4 uh, last time I was with you, so we're not going to spend quite as much time on those as the rest of it. Um, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, I want to talk to you about evangelism, which is almost a dirty word in, <laughs> in, the, in the church. I mean, we, as soon as we hear that word, we kind of we freeze up like, uh, well, that's not me. Um, and... I, you know, I confess, I do not have a spiritual gift in evangelism. Uh, and maybe, I don't know, you know, <clears throat> you and your life, but I don't have that kind of spiritual gift. And so what I want to talk to you about today is, then how do the rest of us do evangelism, okay? Uh, there, you know, I know people who um, are incredible evangelists. I got an email yesterday from a friend uh, saying, and I just read, it was about Turkey and about a, an evangelist in Turkey who had been uh, deported. And I just looked at the title and I said, that's David Bile. I opened it up and it's about David Bile. <laughs> okay. And here's this guy in, in Turkey who just, I mean, he just lives and eats and breathes evangelism. 
and he's, he, they put him in prison, and he, and he converts all the prisoners, <laughs> you know, and the, and the guards, and just wherever he goes, he is telling people about Jesus Christ. And I'm not like that, all right? That's not me. And so I used to get horribly guilty when I heard a message on evangelism, because I hated it. I thought, well, it, it means going door to door doing evangelism. And I had a hard time button, buttonholing people to talk to them about Christ because I'm, I'm basically an introvert and it's hard for me to just walk up to somebody on the street and begin to tell them about Jesus. You know, I really admire the people that do that. But I, can't, I just have never been able to do that. So Paul here gives us some insights on how we ordinary people can do evangelism. Evangelism ought to be both joyful something we really love to do, and natural, not making us be someone we are not. So I want to talk to you about that this morning. And I believe Paul gives us four keys to what we might call friendship evangelism. All right, for the rest of us. Prayer, wisdom, making the most of every opportunity, and graceful speech. So let's start with the prayer component. Um, chapter 4, verse 3, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And I, um, you know, I believe that the key to effective evangelism is prayer and being in prayer and calling on God and hearing from God. And whether we're, you know, whether that's in with our friends or whether it's at your workplace or however, you know, however it takes place, that the key to it is, is effective prayer. And what's interesting to me about this is that Paul, the great apostle Paul, asked for prayer. I mean, you think, you know, if anybody, well, Paul doesn't need prayer to evangelize. Um, but in not just here, but in other places as well, Paul asked for prayer for evangelism. Pray that I'll proclaim it clearly. Psalm 1611. You have made known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So I believe that our going out is to be preceded by prayer. And when we're in sync with Christ, we talked about this a few weeks ago, we can be effective in going out to proclaim what he wants us to proclaim. John 15, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When we uh, first started our ministry in what's uh, called the northern Aegean region in Turkey, which is where the seven churches are, um, the first thing we did was we, we had equal parts to prayer, prayer walking, and going out and praying through the different towns. We had uh, four little towns that we, you know, that we concentrated on, and we had prayer teams going to each of those little towns, and then we would go out and share, you know, um, it wasn't, we didn't so much go out and do street evangelism because it was very difficult to do that. Uh, you could easily get arrested at that time for doing that. But what we did was we had um, English classes. 
And the one thing that we could do was we could all teach English because it was our native language. And many, uh, many Turks were wanting English as a second language, so we would go and offer English classes. And uh, we had, uh, you know, we had maybe, what, 20, 30 people in, in a lot of these English classes, and we made friends. And that was the purpose of it, was just to make friends with the people, and that happened. Um, it, went, it, it actually went very well. In 1999, uh, we did our first trip, um, and, you know, gradually <clears throat> doing, uh, doing English classes and so on. And about the year 2015, uh, Caroline and I went to a, <clears throat> um, I might mention, when we started in 1999, there were no known Christians in the whole area. Nobody knew of any Christians at all. In about the year 2015, we went to a conference in a church that um, the church was inland a bit, but the pastor lived on the coast, and there was a, there, and they had concentrated on that whole region as well. And we went to a conference, and there were, it was composed of those who were planting churches in each of the little towns in that area. And, and I, was just, I was just absolutely blown away. And I told him, I said, you know, we, when we started here 15 years ago or so, there were no known believers. And now there are, there are church planters and they're all getting together and they're praying together and they're he's strategizing together. And um, I was blown away by what God had done. Now, part of that, I believe, is that we had prayer teams. And we would... We had these prayer teams set up not only in Turkey in the groups that we took, but also back home. And so we, you know, we, we made sure that people organized prayer teams to be behind them in prayer. So I'm convinced that prayer is absolutely essential to evangelism. And you know, the way we can do that now is praying for our friends. Have a prayer list and be praying through a, a prayer list of people that you want to see come to Christ. And then Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And in verse 6, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And again, it's interesting to me that Paul asks for clarity to make the word of God clear. And so part of our prayer then is praying that we would be well prepared. That we would proclaim the, the message of Christ clearly when we have an opportunity. And I, you know, in the, writing the two books that I wrote, I became aware of how important it is that we have clarity in our theology. Um, there is not, nothing that I've done that has made me think through my theology um, you know, you write a sentence and then you go, whoa, wait a minute, you know, is that really what I want to say? Is that really, you know, accord with God's word? And, and Caroline would read it and she'd say, oh, I don't know, you know, that's, that's not really clear what, if that's good theology. And, and so there were lots of opportunities to think through, you know, our theology and what we believe and why we believe it and make sure that it lines up with Scripture. And it's interesting to me that even Paul had to do that. That he was constantly in the process of refining his theology. We're always in the process 
of refining our theology and learning how to say what we say more clearly with more effectiveness. John Stott says, thus, before we ask, we must know what to ask for and whether it accords with God's will. We must believe God can grant it. We must genuinely want to receive. Then the gracious promises of Jesus will come true. So part of what we're doing is that we're waiting upon God and we're asking God, Lord, um, show me what your will is for that person. Show me how I need to pray. So, as I said, it's essential to pray for others and keep praying for them. Keep at it. Keep going. Keep praying. I, I know it's difficult for me, too. You, you know, you pray for somebody for years, and then you go, well, they didn't come to Christ yet. So, uh, you know, and it's easy to, you know, to, to, to kind of pull out of that, of that mode of praying. And, and I believe we are to persist in praying. We are facing an oppositional foe. We need spiritual protection. We need to be prayed up before we go, whatever it is. And we need to be filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and go in the power of the Spirit. And, and I believe that, you know, God gives us lots of opportunities to share if we will really do that. Well, let's go into the second thing that we do then. Second thing that Paul talks about is be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Colossians 4, 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Um, now, what he's talking about is having wisdom. And when I you know, really began to think about this, how difficult it is for you and for me that we are both in the world but not of the world. And that's a hard concept. Um, in other words, we are constantly interacting with people and we're called as Christians to be constantly interacting with people and taking advantage of opportunities that God brings us, but at the same time, we're called to holiness. So it's balancing those two, you know, being out there in the world, evangelizing, being, you know, being a part of God's message to other people, and at the same time, uh, holiness, we're not of the world. We're strangers and aliens here on this planet Earth. And the word in the Greek is uh, peripateo, which describes the way of life with a heavy, heavy emphasis on morality. And it's used in Colossians 2.6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. So we live as strangers and pilgrims in this life with a totally countercultural worldview. And so we're to live in wisdom and how we interact with people that don't believe the way we do. At the same time, and, and sometimes they're even in a hostile opposition, but how do we balance that then with holiness, obedience to God, walking with Him? And that's a difficult thing. Because you can, and you know, I've seen churches and individuals overbalanced in one of those two, okay? Either we're overbalanced and we're constantly with other people, but we're not as concerned about holiness, or we're all concerned about holiness and we don't interact with anybody. Well, we, we need both of those coming together uh, in, <clears throat> so that we can be effective in the world, so that we live in the world but not of the world. And, you know, we've all seen 
Um, well, let, let me give you one example. Bill Hybels, I remember, um, one time in, went to, uh, he would do an, an annual conference for the churches. And on one of them, he, um, he said, this is probably three or four years ago, he said God really dealt with him. <laughs> He's dealt with him since then too. But, but at that time, he really dealt with him um, because he said he was a seeker-friendly church and they had totally concentrated on evangelism and getting people into the church. And God began to deal with him. Wait a minute, you, you're not called just to bring people to Christ. You're called to disciple people. That's what Matthew 28 is all about, is, is you know, not just bringing them in the door, but raising them up to be to maturity. That's what we're called to do. And so Bill Hybels had to make a course correction. He said they just changed the whole church around because they realized that they were only doing part, you know, half of what God had called them to do. And so we as, you know, as a church, we are called both to bring people to Christ, but also to raise them up to be what God has called them to be. And so we are connected with the one who overcame the world. That's how we do it. That's the solution to this balance of holiness and being out there in the world. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. How can we do it? How can we balance those things? Well, the reason that we can do it is that Christ overcame the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever, and whoever knows God listens to us. So the reason, you know, we go, when we go out there to talk to people about Christ, we go with Christ with us, the Holy Spirit with us, and Christ overcame the world. The good news is that the one who is greater in us is greater than the one who is in the world. We're on the winning side. Isn't that, isn't that a good thing? We are on the winning side. We have truth on our side. We are often opposed, but we have power, which those who oppose us know nothing about. But it takes faith to believe that our invisible God will come to our aid when we face opposition. That's why prayer is so important. So being prayed up and then going and trusting that God is with us. Well, going back to our text, Colossians 4, 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. So what does Paul then mean by making the most of every opportunity? And that's what I'd like to talk to you about what we could call friendship evangelism. It's important to identify who we can impact. Each one of us has certain talents and certain interests and natural relationships that God gives to us, and we can reach those people for Christ. So we use the natural connections that you have in order to take the Word of God to those people. Uh, with us, uh, one of the ways that we've been able to, you know, we, <coughs> I'll, I'll say this, we probably spend half of our time now interacting with unbelievers, purposefully. I mean, we, we do it because we, we really believe that, uh, <coughs> that God has called us to take the gospel to the world. 
And one of the ways that we've done that is with our kids' friends and, and extended family and all that kind of stuff. Well, we can use those natural relationships with our kids to, you know, develop a relationship with their friends. I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was in the, I was at TMC getting my heart operation and I was just recovering. We could just, I could just barely walk at that point. Um, but we were out walking down the hall, not outside, but out down the hall at TMC. This was before COVID when you could actually do that. You know? And we're walking down the, the, the uh, hall and we get a text from my son that one of his good friends, um, they had just taken their, their baby at that point. He was what, about a year old? About a year old. Uh, had just taken him in because he had, uh, and he was diagnosed with diabetes. Well, it was, you know, it was devastating to them. So we get that as we're right across from the door of the NICU unit. <laughs> so, so we just went right in there, and, and they, both the mom and the dad were in there, and we were able to pray with them. We were able to encourage them, and so on. So what we're saying is that use those natural opportunities that God brings to you, you know, with your grandchildren, with your children, with brothers and sisters, with, you know, whomever God has you in natural kinds of relationship, he has you interacting with those, with those people. Um, our niece, uh, about, oh, about six months ago, she sent, sent, a, sent me a text and she said, uh, uh, I've been reading your book. I don't, I don't remember I, whether I'd sent it to her. I don't remember how she got hold of it. But she'd read uh, volume one. And, um, and she said, can I have volume two? And so I sent her volume two. And so we've been able to have this opportunity to talk with her. She's going to come see us again. Um, she's, now she's reading um, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. You know, wow, you can't read that and not, you know, not be changed. So it's using those natural opportunities. Um, and it's sometimes praying for them. Caroline, we had a, um, there's a, yeah, this is the Kalihan Hotel. And it's outside of, it's in a little town called Seljuk, in, which is where Ephesus is, okay? And at that time, there wasn't any Seljuk, it was just Ephesus. But there's this, hope, this uh, touristic hotel, and we would stay there when we took teams in. And so one of those trips, uh, the daughter of the owner came up to Caroline, and Caroline started talking with her, and they, um, and she said, well, I haven't been able to have children. And so Caroline said, well, you know, we need to pray for you. And so Caroline prayed with her that she would have a baby. Well, we came back about two years later, and, and we hadn't seen, you know, we didn't know her real well, and Caroline walks into the lobby, and this woman runs up and throws her arms around and says, I want to introduce you to my son. <laughs> and, and, you know, God just really touched her because somebody cared enough to pray that she would have a son. And, and um, you know, I, we haven't really followed up with her after that, but we know that God touched her heart, and she was, you know, Caroline is like her, her mother you know, <laughs> in a lot of ways. I, the other thing we can do is use shared interests and experiences with your coworkers, caring for them, listening to them, those whom you interact with in a sport or a hobby like the Model A Club. You might recognize those people. 
<laughs> and, and, you know, our hiking club or, um, or something like that. You know, some way that you can interact with other people where you have common interests. Uh, let me give you a, a story that when we first came to Tucson to plant a church, and, and I, you know, I went to a conference and they told me, well, you've, you've got to go around and do door-to-door -door evangelism. That's why I said at the beginning, I don't like doing door-to-door -door evangelism. So I went around in our neighborhood to do door-to-door -door evangelism. It was, you know, not very effective. And one of the houses in particular I went to, I knocked on the door, and the wife came to the door, and I said, uh, you know, we're planning a church in your area, you know, can we pray for you? We just want to get to know you. And, uh, boy, she just, no way, boom. <laughs> you know? And I went, she said, oh, no, she said, I'm Jewish, bang, <laughs> the door closed. Uh, okay, all right, we're not going to, we're obviously, she's not going to be somebody we're going to reach. Well, as it turned out later, her husband coached the Little League team that our son was on. And so we got to know them. And, and, uh, and then more recently, their daughter and son-in-law moved right next door to us. And so, you know, through the years then, now we're good friends with them. We, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, we're, we're, we talk to them all whenever we see them, and, and we have a real relationship. Well, that's what I'm talking about, that, you know, you may not be, quote, an evangelist, but you can be friends. And through those natural friendships, then, you can gradually uh, open the door to being able to talk to somebody about Christ. Billy Graham said that most of those at his crusades, and I don't remember the percentage he used, but it was something like 80, 90% of those who come to a crusade are brought by a friend. So it wasn't just people, you know, well, I don't know who this is, and I'll just go to this crusade. They were brought by somebody who loved them enough to take them to there. <clears throat> so we need to hear from Christ who we can impact, when and how to go. And so I'd encourage you to be praying about what are your opportunities that God has given to you. Next thing we do is that we serve others. 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So you have you know, certain ways that God has given you to be able to serve others. And when they see you serving and and, and uh, concern for them, like that uh, wife of the owner of the Callahan. You know, when she saw Christ, or she saw, she saw Caroline caring for her enough to pray for her, it had a real impact on her. The next thing we do is we know how to answer everybody. Colossians 4, 6, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So part of what we do then is we have graceful conversation or a way of life. And it's used at a profitable or beneficial speech, wisely spoken. And it's seasoned with salt. Um, you and I have the gospel, which is a preservative. And we are actually keeping people from going to hell by telling them about Christ. And whenever I think of that, and I think of, you know, like, it'd be like uh, um, it, there's a foggy day, you know, and it's really foggy out, and you're walking along, 
and you come upon a cliff, and the path goes right over a cliff. Well, if, if, if when you discover that cliff, you're going to, first thing you're going to do is you're going to go back to the path, and you're going to warn people, don't go over the cliff. That's what we do when we tell them about Christ. We're saying, don't walk over that cliff. This path leads to your destruction. Don't go over it. Our graceful conversation seasoned with salt. Ephesians 2.4 But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And I love this, this, this phrase. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So God made a way that dead people can come to life. Those who are spiritually dead can come to be spiritually alive. And there are, you know, there are people out there at Pantano. I, you know, um, one of the wonderful things about Pantano was that they were really focused on leading people to Christ. And I think it was in 2019, and I think the, the number was 1,600 people were baptized in 2019. So, so they're out there. There are people out there who want to know about a relationship with Christ. And their, their motto is, uh, loving people to Christ. And I, I really like that. We love people to Christ. Our, our conversation, our way of life, everything is gracious. The actual word is, is, is taken from the Greek, that it's gracious, in grace, in love, Caring for other people. It's our love that are, that's going to get them there. It's not just what we say. It's our love for them that is the bridge that they can come to Christ. Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So part of what we do is we are acting as a preservative on this earth. And then it says, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That we would be prepared to answer someone who asks about Christ. And this is where Bible studies come in. This is where Sunday morning comes in. You know, what we're doing is we are getting ammunition. <clears throat> we are learning better how to be able to tell people about Christ. And it's not only important <clears throat> what you believe, it's important how strongly you believe it. That, and every time that you hear God's word, that conviction is growing in you so that you believe it more strongly. And I'm convinced that we don't talk to people about Christ many times because we don't really believe strongly enough in the good news. Oh, yeah, we believe it. I'm not saying we don't believe it. We don't believe strongly enough. Are those people really going to hell as, you know, as... You know, do we really have the message of life? And so that we may know how to answer everyone. And I look at uh, John chapter 3. And the text up here is, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. 
For no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. And, and so, you know, Nicodemus comes and he says, you know, you're a great guy and there you, you're doing all these miracles. You must come from God. But listen to Jesus' response. In reply, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. That didn't have anything to do with what Nicodemus asked them. <laughs> and I think, I think sometimes, you know, people come to us and they are asking one thing, but the real need is something different. And that's what Jesus could see. Jesus didn't just look at the words that Nicodemus gave. He looked down deep into the heart condition of Nicodemus. He said, you need to be born again. And so part, I believe, of our witnessing to others, evangelizing others, is listening to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. I don't, I don't know about your life, but in, in my life, there were really four different instances that it really impacted me significantly. One of them was a friend, Barbara Wilson. Um, she was about three or four years older than I was. And she, um, I, one time, I was, it was Christmas time, she was a playing, playing a hymn on the, um, on the piano. And a thought occurred to me, I don't believe that anymore. You know, shock. I didn't, I didn't believe it. Um, but it was shocking to me that I didn't believe in Christ anymore. Well, then we went into the Peace Corps, and um, I may have told you this, I don't think I have, but we, you know, one of the events that brought me to Christ was we were down in Ephesus, and I believe that uh, you know, we were in a Muslim country, and there's a little sign, and it said that Paul was here. Have I told you this story before? Okay. Um, and I, and I looked at that sign and I thought, you mean this is real? Because I, you know, I'd come from a church where it was, um, you know, the gospel was good stories, not necessarily true, but good stories, moral stories. And we were taught, you know, that we should be moral people, but we weren't taught that Christ is the Son of God. And we weren't taught that it was historical. And when I saw this little sign, I said, whoa. You mean this stuff is history? This really happened? I mean, I'm here where Paul lived, and a Muslim, a sign in a Muslim country says that Paul was here. Maybe this is really true. And I started, it's just started a whole process of, of uh, searching for me. And then we were down in Jerusalem, and there was a guy on a bus, and he just asked me a question about spirituality, and it just, it, it just really hit home with me. And um, I think it was at that time I started reading the Bible. You know, I, had, I had, hadn't done that for a long time. Peace Corps gives you a, a locker full of books to take with you. And one of those was a Bible, so I started reading it. And then lastly, um, was a couple up in Tequilma, Oregon. And they had found Christ about two weeks before we got up there. And they started telling us about Jesus. And then that was when both of us finally gave our heart to Christ. But you see, it took numerous little words along the way from different people at different times. And it wasn't sharing the gospel with us. It was just being a little part of, you know, just a little portion. And so God can use you to just a, a word in time. Make the most of every opportunity. 
And it may be just a word. It may be just what that person needs to hear at that moment in order to take them one step closer to giving their heart to Christ. And we want to, you know, we want to just, we want to lead people to Christ. Um, and yes, we do. But it may be just that word that you've got that really makes a difference with them. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So we have Christ inside of us, and we have the word of God that is living and active. That is our weapon. That is, is what we have to offer. So we need then to have a defense of the gospel. You know, how, and, and, and you know, memorize scriptures on evangelism, on evangelism and, and just uh, be prepared that, so that when that time does come, you're ready with the word. Um, I remember this guy in the middle there is Ahmed Gouverneur. And this man is one of the I mean, he's an Old Testament prophet, uh, just an incredible man. And I just, whenever I think of having a preparation of defense of the gospel, I think of Ahmet sitting in the courtyard, in his, he's, a, he's a pastor, and he's sitting in his courtyard, and he has a Koran in one hand and a Bible, a Turkish Bible in the other hand, and he's got two or three, you know, young people around him, and he's going from one to the other. Uh, well, here's what the Quran says. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Quran says. Here's what the Bible says. He had a defense of the gospel. He knew what to say because he had studied both the Quran and the Bible. Well, in conclusion then, I believe that we can all be used by God in evangelism. Even those of us who are, quote, not natural evangelists. And the way we do this, we pray for opportunities to share. We, and that we pray that God will use you to ask him to, and ask him to use you. You seek wisdom about how to interact with unbelievers. You use natural relationships that God has developed for you. And you use graceful speech, loving people to Jesus Christ. Let's close by just, um, I, what I'd like you to do is just think of three people whom you would like to see come to Christ. Um, you know, you've already had those relationships. And so let's pray that God will use us. Father, we, in the name of Jesus, we do pray for those three people we have in mind. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will give us opportunities to share the gospel with them. And opportunities just to speak a word and love them to Christ. Help us to love them unconditionally. And open up opportunities for us to be able to share who you are, um, but also who we are, Lord. And, and so that we can use those natural relationships, those natural friendships that we have to the glory of God. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Open my eyes that I might see glimpses of truth you have for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unlock and set me free. Silently now I wait for you.
that you have instilled in us, the love you teach us, we can share that with others. We can be a light for you, Lord, and we can reach out to individuals. And just the fact that we are exhibiting the type of friendship, the type, the type of dedication will be something that that they may desire to come and learn more about. So Lord, let us be practice friendship evangelism. Let us spread your word and let us be the people you want us to be. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. God be with us till we meet again. peace.